You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Dear Multi-Hyphenate. I am so excited that we have a visual element for this because I got dressed up for the first time in a while, and um, I could... You got dressed for the first time? John, I actually you know... haven't really put full pants on, actually. Yeah, I mean, John knows... In a that... while. <laughs> John knows that I'm probably running around the apartment naked anyway, so it's, you know... And I love, I love that you probably know that because we've gotten, we've become friends over the past few months since I saw you yeah. that first time that you gave one of the best performances I'd, I'd ever seen. It was confusing because I was like, oh, thank you so much. That's so kind of you to say. Of course. I just was like, why don't I know him? And the bigger question is, why don't I know him? You know, so um, so there's a lot to talk about, but um, I wanted uh, I wanted to know. I like to open up my episodes with the rose and thorn of the day. And Nicole, you are a part of this conversation as well. So please feel free to jump in and converse with us. <laughs> Thanks. Of course, so how was your day, guys? Rose and thorn. Oh my God! So you mean just in general? Um, up, up to day. In terms of up what's to going day. on for today? Just so we're all in the same space. Um. Well, I'd say today my rose is that every morning I wake up and I look over to my husband who's there with me, and I'm just so grateful for the support and the love that we continue to have every day, and during this quarantine time in particular, my thorn i'd say is well actually it could be positive and negative because every day i try to remind myself to create new things and be involved with projects but at the same time i'm a horrible baker i mean i'm terrible and so that's my thorn i have to say i mean literally sometimes i actually bake something i'll sit on the floor next to the oven and just watch it rise and Steve comes in and he's like, John, what are you doing? I said, I just want to make sure that it actually rises or not. And still, I'm just not able to make it work. So the baking part, I just leave to him. But I am so determined that I'm going to bake at least one thing. Yeah. That's my thorn. And even today, I couldn't can, make it happen. And I also, I just literally burned the kitchen. I burned almost burnt down the kitchen uh i was cooking and with the pan i was gonna splash some water into something that i was sauteing and i thought i just add some olive oil splash some in there and so i just kind of poured some in and it was went up in flames and i thought oh my goodness my first response was like wow that's <laughs> awesome yes. and my husband's behind me like oh my god John, what are you doing? What's going on? So baking and cooking are not my forte. How about okay. how about for you? Well, I I do want to say so I love to bake and I, I for I'm a really, really, really good cook. And I'm a really good baker. Baker is not uh, as 
Look at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, hmm. But I, I love, it's because it's a stress reliever, so I get really, really, I'm not trying to prove anything. I just get really locked into it, and I. Oh, I know. I was actually just, it's very anxiety producing for me. It's actually even, it's more stressful. I'm having getting some grays, worried about my baking, and then I'm going to burn something. So I don't think it's really for me. I'm going to give you both a recipe it's very simple, it's classic, and it's, uh, uh, if, if you can't do this, then you shouldn't do Okay, it. this is my audition for baking then. Stealing myself, preparing myself, take a picture, I'll let you decide if you would choose to eat the meal that I make or not. <laughs> I love it, I'm obsessed with that. It's a, it's a simple banana bread, it's my family recipe. And it's very easy, and it and it's oh, it's hard to fuck up. Delicious. So. Oh, okay. And well, it's good. Pressure's and it, on then. Great. I know. Well, truth. But the thing about that is, it literally is it. It kind of incorporates all aspects of baking, like the sifting, the mixing, and the rising. So, but it's not tough. It's all very simple, and it's a very strict 60-minute timer. Put it in, time it, and take it out. <laughs> it's too hard. Much. It's too much. <laughs> I think that was already too much. If you told me to crack the eggs, I could manage that. That would be enough. That would right, be so what I could do. Good maybe chef. I could stir, if that's kind of it. You, you'll be a good sous chef, then. You'll be my assistant. Sure. For our dinner date. Yes, please. I think we're supposed to have a dinner date and then I know. Next time. Next time. So uh, your family, are they chefs or people in culinary arts in your family? Or is it just something oh. that you're really into? No. My, um, my grandma, my grandparents cooked. My grandma's cooked. My mom doesn't really cook. And I just grew up watching... David Rosengarten on the Food Network, the old Ina, the old Emerald in the 90s, the Food Network in the 90s, and just loved. Yeah, I love kitchen decor. Um, you should see the stuff I have, like old Ralph Lauren cutting boards. It's good. <laughs> oh, fancy cutting boards. Look at you. Well... I stole them from my grandma. I said, I like to go shopping at my grandma's. You stole them? Well, by stealing, I mean, I go, hey, this is mine. <laughs> <laughs> and, but I work for it because she is 88 and has osteoporosis. And every month we move around her furniture because we love um, interior design. So that's my payment because I move around the couches and I take everything off the wall and shift it. It's my payment. She actually has COVID, but she's going to be good. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. You know what? Is yes. she all right? Is she but okay she, now? Yeah, she's going to be okay. Oh, my. Going on week three in the hospital, but she's a trooper. She goes to the gym three times a week. She takes a buttload of vitamins, and this is the time where it's really paying off. Wow. Yeah, before... You joined the chat. I was just talking with the Nicole, the interpreter, about just life in general. And now I live in Jersey City, right by the water. I'm so grateful for that. It's really beautiful. 
And on the sidewalk, there's a walking path near the water, which has usually been pretty empty. But this morning, obviously, on this gorgeous sunny day, I wasn't expecting as many people as there were, but it was packed. Everyone's out for a walk. Oh, people really should be staying home. I know. Are they masked? And yeah, that's the thing. Some people weren't wearing masks. I'm thinking, what? What's going on? I just wanted to take my mask and and throw them out the window. The ones that I had to just say, here, take them, put them on. So, you know, I'm really encouraging people as much as I can to stay home. But again, I'm so sorry. And I'm wishing the best for your grandmother. And if there's anything that I could do to be supportive or helpful, please feel free to reach Thank out you. and let me know. So, John, you know, this is an interesting segue because you're mentioning, you know, how life mm-hmm. is sort of changing with COVID. How is communication because so, your your form of communication is so interpersonal and so mm-hmm. so specific, and it's passionate. Mm-hmm. I told you this when we were photographing that the way that you communicate is so passionate and beautiful. How are you finding this time to be different, difficult, better? Hmm. I think it's really interesting. It's a really interesting time for all of us, not just for deaf people, but all of us, because we're trying really to figure out this shift. I hate to use the term normal, but sort of this new normal of life in terms of what's happening around us. In regards to communication, you know, I think that we interpreters and deaf people are really trying to be more collaborative and find ways to work out what's best for all of us. Um, and for, of course, for anyone from working from home, I mean, thank God for technology. If it wasn't for technology like this, we wouldn't be able to get as much done um, in terms of having video conferencing. That's really great. But on the downside, yeah, there is also a lack of interpreter availability because now there's so much demand and we're also trying to figure out who's available for whatever reasons we might need. And sometimes as deaf people, especially in the deaf talent community, we want to be able to go online and be able to see all of these other podcasts, interviews, or be able to check out some free training that a director provides. And oftentimes there isn't access to those kinds of resources. So it can make difficult, be more difficult for us that we're not getting that same access online as a lot of hearing people are having access to. I mean, even worse, and I hate to really mention in terms of president number 45, as for example, when he gets up at the podium, there isn't an interpreter. And here in New York State, though, Cuomo does have an interpreter. And also, what's even better is that there's a, it's a CDI who's interpreting, a certified deaf interpreter. And that's someone who is working with a hearing interpreter who's feeding them the lines and then they are then interpreting again and to sort of a next level of interpreting to create more access for the deaf community. And when the president doesn't provide that access and captions are also not 100% accurate and they're garbled, that is also really a hindrance on the communication for the deaf community. And unfortunately with all the politics and in terms of us trying to find what's best for us, when we see something isn't working, we want to be able to fix that in a collaborative way. And so I think that our job as a deaf community is to really educate and at the same time be kind at this time and allow 
the to provide support to the interpreting community at the same time because I know that my they're working very hard and my hats off to them. There's a lot of work that they're doing to be provide access to the deaf community. So that's part of what I how I'm thinking about communication right now. Thank you. Um, so how, as a content creator, someone that creates opportunities for people to listen and hear, how can I personally extend that to and not and not have not be in the same boat as the president, but but be folk, but be um, accessible for everyone? What are some tools? What are some ways that I can incorporate that into what I create? That's a great question, Michael. Thanks for asking. There's actually a few different things. Well, if you're doing a live interview like this kind of interview, I can suggest using Google Hangouts because Zoom might also have this feature, but there's also live captioning where it's automatic, which is relatively accurate. It's not 100%, but it is, there is that feature. Also, when people use YouTube and they will use the automatic captioning, it's pretty unpredictable and also kind of unintelligible. Having actual transcription is the most accessible because that would be the most accurate. Okay. You can also encourage people to add captioning to their interviews so this way we don't feel like it's just left to us to provide access and i ask you as a hearing person what do you need from our community that would be helpful that you either may not know or may know how to provide accessibility so I want to know how i can be a partner in that process i just i just feel that it's that it's my if, if I am going to create something, it is my responsible to have my audience be as accessible and inclusive and as wide as possible. Because you are not less than, you are not an exception, you are not you are not in my it, it's just it's just fact. So for me, my audience, it has to be for everyone's for everyone's uh, experience in life. Um, so I don't think it's your responsibility to do anything at all. I think that it's my responsibility to reach out to those voices of different communities and make sure that you're represented. It's just like a producer's job or a casting director's right. job or a director's job to make sure that a show is represented uh, that that community is represented in a show, and therefore the audience that that they're, that whoever's in those seats are represented as well. Yeah, you're mentioning about casting directors and producers yeah. and writers, and what's really interesting is that there's a shift going on. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been in this business now for about ten years, and. It's really important to know that in the deaf talent community, we have a variety of different backgrounds and experiences and degrees of hearing loss. Some people sign, some people 
speak to varying degrees. Some people only speak, some people only sign. But I do find myself in sometimes a sticky situations or position where because I can speak and I also sign, I just choose to sign because it is an easier form of communication and way to express myself. But often when it comes to casting choices, I do feel this sense of conflict because really I'm just going to be raw and honest with you in this conversation. When I sign, I notice that I don't get the jobs, but when I use my voice and sign, I'm more likely to be hired. So that's... It's not a bad thing. It's just because those people are listening and they're thinking about the hearing perspective, this auditory perception of the actor. And they're so used to having that connection. And so it does make me feel is that those deaf people who are not using their, not using spoken language, but they're incredible signers are being overlooked. And you know, sometimes an actor will say like, I'm 5'8", my name is John McGinty, I'm from New Jersey, and then they just go right ahead. But this time I decided to say, I'm gonna start with my name, my height, and then say, here's the deal. I'm a deaf person, I can speak and sign at the same time, because I'm educating those people who say that there are many ways that a deaf person can communicate and that they have to only, they don't have to only rely on one. And so some people think like they might have to hire an interpreter. How do I cast a deaf person in a story? The interpreter's gonna be costing, then gonna incur an additional expense. So I don't work with an interpreter 24 seven and walk around an interpreter with me all the time. I don't go into Starbucks and order a coffee and need an interpreter there with me. So I'm capable of using the phone, for example, using various technologies. So I want people to have a sense that there's ways to connect with me, not just via an interpreter. Um, so I want to truly change the perception of what's capable, what we're capable of and what we can do. I also question myself, when I take myself for an audition, should I put captions on so that they can comprehend what I'm signing? So which battle, you know, I, am I doing this for them? Am I doing this for myself and my community? Because this is who we are. Because I've seen videos that don't have captions and I have to put up with that. So where's the even playing field? Again, we just have to keep educating people and really inform as much as we can what we're trying to do here and what we're trying to create. For example, you can just tell me and jump in at any time and tell me to shut up. But for example, one thing no, that talent. No, I'm <laughs> so one thing that's going on in the deaf talent community right now, there's deaf Broadway a, a site that we've created. And what we're doing is we have an all deaf actors through Zoom signing along to the movie rendition of a Broadway show. Wow. So we're showing how... I know, it's so incredible. Have you seen it? Have you checked this out? No, but I need to. Yes, check it out. Tomorrow, we're releasing... 
a comedy. Oh, we're releasing Copy Tomorrow, a musical. Amazing. So last week we did Into the Woods. Each week we're doing a music, different musical. Wow. So, so keep where an do eye I, on it. Just so that everyone's aware, where do we all find this? I, there's a Facebook book group. Death okay. Broadway. Join the group and there's more information, details there. So that is one way to be able to showcase deaf talent. I just and that we're not interrupt. limited to only using our voices, that using sign language and deaf actors Perfect. in one kind of role with a hearing, um, with hearing people as singing along is not the only way. So this is time for us to be strengthening our community and showing what we're capable of. I just want to say something that I just feel that these, for whatever reason that you have to not justify your experience or your choices, it's just so awful to me because Communicating with you is easy and fun. <laughs> it's like I, I am a better person because I'm, I'm a better artist, a better listener, a better seer, uh, a, be a better, uh, just overall better individual because you have come into my life and have stretched my ability to communicate. And in order to communicate with you, I have to listen to the story. I have to be able to listen to what you're saying. I have to be able to uh, to take it in and respond. Um, so it just it's just laziness on other people's parts if they don't get it. If they, it just it it, it just is to me. I don't think that there's an excuse for it. Yeah, you're right. And often, I mean, again, it goes down to the assumptions. And I find myself becoming with a, well, I find a recurring theme going on with myself. And now I'm not against the idea, but when it comes to this, when it comes to diversity and inclusion panels, it's a wonderful way to talk about and represent and share ideas for people who might not be aware, but this is just becoming this repetitive thing where it's a lot of talk and not as much action. And so again, I've been in this business now for almost a decade and I see this theme repeatedly presenting itself. And yes, diversity within the business is very important and we have a long way to go despite some strides. But I think that what's happening now, it's actually a blessing in disguise because this world, this global shift is happening and we're using the time to figure out how we can make things better for all of us. And then when things are ready to emerge again, I think that it's that repetition, that kind of talk will be translated into doing something, into action. We can do it now. And I was going to say something else, but it just escapes, escape me, but it'll come up, it'll come up later. No, it's okay. I I just I, I just love I love seeing you on social media, and also we're you know you're a friend that I I talk to, I hear from you, and you know we respond to each other, we converse. It's not like we just like talk once a month. And I love seeing your presence and what you're creating, the videos that you've sent me, the videos that you've posted. The the it's so inspiring because there is you're telling me 
that there is that anyone who wants to create must and it's and it's so engaging and it's amazing and i love what you stand for and who you are as an artist what when you when you thank you yeah of course when i'm your biggest fan i mean literally when i saw when i saw you take that note for lilac wine and just it was some of the sexiest acting i had ever seen in my life and it was just like i want to see him i only want to see him take all my money Because you used you, Thank I, you that's I, so sweet. Well, there's 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 uh, an aspect of you that communicates with your whole body, and watching you, it's why. Okay, I'm gonna say something really obnoxious. It's why I love Edina. I Edina Menzel. D, I N. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Uh -huh. M-E-N-Z-E-L? Z with your index finger, not oh. your pinky. So it mm -hmm. just means something different? It doesn't mean something else. No, it doesn't mean anything. It just is that's I. Oh, okay. I. But Z we uh, make with your index. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So um, I love her because when she goes on stage, she uses from head to toe. It's muscular energy. It is so connected. It is so core. It is so involved at the core. And I just love, I love watching work happen. And when that is involved, when the whole body is involved, it's just so daring to me. It's so beautiful. And I, you're, that's what I think about when I think Thank of you. Thank you. I don't, I don't, I don't know if this is, this is something that you like or whatever, but I don't think like John McGinty, deaf actor, I think of actor who uses his whole being to communicate. I am so happy you brought that up. Thank you for mentioning that because when it comes to interviews, people say, so what's it like to be a deaf actor? I'm like, uh, is that a bad thing? I, I don't know if that's a bad thing, but again, yes, uh, we're all actors, we're all artists, but why do we need to limit ourselves? Like, I'm a white actor, or, you know, I, am I a, just a deaf actor? So I, I don't want to just be labeled, and I don't think we should be labeling ourselves that way, but people are so fixated on the sign language piece. Oh, sign language is beautiful. Oh, it's so expressive. But it's part of who I am, and I don't want to be used to I don't want to be part of something, of a work, just because of signing. Oh, right. because signing is beautiful and someone wants to insert that into a piece. I just want to be part of who I am innately. And I just remembered what I wanted to mention from before. Mm -hmm. People often talk about the cost of interpreting. And I want to put a time out on that. With musical theater in general, when casting directors make choices, it's a big process. And they tend to hire an accompanist. So what's the difference between this and an interpreter where you rarely see a deaf actor? Yeah, yeah. And so more, it obviously shows that money isn't really the factor. And a child wrangler. And also, and exactly. 
Exactly. People like that. And also, Ali Stoker, who won the Best Actor, Tony. Yeah, amazing. Showed that money had nothing to do with it because she couldn't get up onto the stage to receive her award. And so that was a problem money could have fixed. And so I think that money or the cost of something should really not be as much of a factor. Because once we have that mindset, then we really block opportunities for inclusion. We have to really get rid of those barriers and these fears that people have because you're not allowing us to share and collaborate artistically. There's so much that we can do. We're not completely reliant on interpreters for us to be a part of different productions. So that's something that I also wanted to make sure that I mentioned. John, before I move on to that question, um, something that I, I want to know is when you are handled, when you are handed these things where you're just like, like screw off, like I can't believe that someone just treated me like this. What's your go-to defense mechanism? How do you handle something like that? Your defense mechanism, you said? Yeah, what's like, what's your, like, how do you fight back? Because I have things when people treat me like shit because of who I am and what I do. I have my things. But what do you, how do you respond? Well, it really depends on the context. Mm-hmm. I'm the kind of person where... I don't just say fuck off. That's not how I approach things. But what I do is, I mean, if it's okay to say, it depends on what the problem is. Let's talk about it. Yeah. And let's see if there's a way that we can come up with a solution. And if there isn't a solution that can be derived, it's probably not worth my time to try to work with those people anyway. I only want to work with people who are open-minded and have an open heart, who are interested in having me be a part of them be a part of those pr- projects. And I really want to make sure, you know, my approach is not necessarily just say screw off because the voice of tomorrow, younger generations, I don't want them to go through what I've gotten to go through. Right. So I might, you know, I'm going to choose certain battles wisely. I don't want some people, the generations to come after me to necessarily also have to go through those challenges. So that's some of how I approach my uh those kind of situations we have to unfortunately we have to start to wrap up but i do want to know about your experience with king lear like was it a dream experience was it are there things that you like checked off or like i wish that was different and i hope that's different for the future i want to know about it mm-hmm. so just briefly it was a it's a wonderful example because the director Sam Gold decided to have two deaf actors and it had nothing to do with being deaf. Amazing. Uh, and a brilliant actor, Russell Harvard, he was the Duke of Cornwall. Mm-hmm. And he and another un, he was one of the ensemble members. And one of the things I loved about doing the show was being able to show the audience that we're trying to adaptive communication is actually much more realistic. That makes me really happy to hear because I, lo- I love the production. It was actually the first time I had seen Lear. So I w- I'm really happy that, that I- I'm really happy that I got to see that production because it was just so of today, which I loved. Is there anything that you that 
I, I, I guess maybe, Nicole, I would love for you to jump in in this moment. Um, how, uh, what's, uh, do you predominantly work with actors? Uh, what, how did you find each other? What's, how's your relationship? I want to know more about the two of you guys. Little did he know. Little did he know that he was actually talking about your cooking. <laughs> we bring it back. <laughs> bring it back always. John and Nicole, you you guys are amazing. Thank you so much. Um, I can't wait to get this out. You're my first visual um, podcast episode, which is very exciting. And um, every Thursday uh, at 7 p.m., we go live with Broadway Podcast Network and do, uh, I have a new show called My Broadway Memory with my co-host Brian Sedita. And we go through our Playbill collection and, um, and at random and talk about a Broadway memory uh, the go, getting tickets, like what the headshots look like in those playbills, the ads, what's on Broadway. And I would love for you guys to come on an episode um, soon so we could talk about that. And I think that would be really awesome. And uh, different conversation, different vibes. You guys are awesome. Thank you. This podcast is produced by the Broadway Podcast Network. Make sure to find me online via Instagram at the Michael Kushner or at the Dressing Room Project, or on Twitter at mkushnerphoto, and visit me online via bpn.fm forward slash dearmultihyphenate. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.